Hello, <laughs> hello, podcast listeners. I'd like to welcome you to the fifth issue, fifth edition, fifth episode of the Knife Journal podcast. My name is James Noka, and I'm with my compadre Carl Versteg. Did, yep. I get it, did I get it right this time? Yeah, Kyle Versteg. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I've been calling you Versteg though because I because of the two e's. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty common. Um, my grandpa says it Versteg. Actual Dutch people have told me it's uh, Versteg. <laughs> Versteg. Versteg. No, that's Something like that. But um, I can't. Does that say mean? It well does enough. that mean user of knives in Holland in in Dutch? Yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. like. Mostly like Conqueror, Supermanly Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think it. I figured it you couldn't say that do. with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. If they could see me with my like nerd glasses on and you know, skinny frame, <laughs> all those things. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Anyways, fifth, uh, fifth episode. Fifth episode, man. We're rocking. Yeah, we're pouring them out. Yeah, liking it. Enjoying it, and uh, I've had a lot of positive feedback. I don't. I, I'm assuming you have too. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of my buddies have uh, have given me a jingle and said, "Hey, that's kind of cool. It's just like talking to you on the phone." Yeah, that's kind of the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've just... had like a, I've had like a half a dozen calls from guys that I that I do have long conversations with, and. And they they all said the same thing. Yeah, it's pretty. I listened to all of them, and it's just like talking to you on the phone. Yeah, it's fun, you know. And then you get to hear you get to hear how uh, one of your friends talks to another, and how similar it is. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> pretty hilarious. Yeah, my pretty... uh, my friend from Des Moines, the the bussy guy, and I mm-hmm. talked last night, and he said it's the same same kind of thing, and uh, and uh, he may or may not be able to come to the grinding i'm hoping um we'll see um but yeah it's it's a conversational kind of thing and i think some i've gotten positive feedback and i've heard uh some feedback from other kind of knife nut type people uh, i was uh I, I was searching around itunes for like knife related podcasts and i found this podcast uh, knife thursday mm-hmm. and i downloaded uh their episode and uh, lo and behold, they're talking about uh, Knife Journal and the Knife Journal podcast. And they said some nice things, and I thought I'd uh, give them a plug. And, you know, it's an interesting, it's kind of like what we're doing, only we're, uh, we have some, I think we probably have a little bit different tastes and a little bit different backgrounds. So it's just another, another take on it. You get to hear a couple other, three other guys um you know, and and what they think about knives, and seems like it's a pretty good show, and they they get some decent guests on there, like some knife modifiers and uh, some experts in the field, air quotes. Uh, I was, you know, it's funny too. This, and I, I don't like to exclude anybody. I like to, I, and when I was running knife forums, it was always that I always wanted it to be like a big family, like you know, include all of the, you know. The people that have, like Balasong knives, just because I don't particularly care for them, doesn't mean that, you know. And and it was really funny how s- there's this pushback all the time. Like we want to be segmented, we want to be different, we want to be this, we want to be that. But and and they don't. It, it's almost like they don't see the fact that we're all related. You know, yeah. it's like it's like we're it's like we're all a family, and you know everybody's got the weird Uncle Joe and. 
and uh, and the grandpa and the grandma and the and the uh, um, and the and the crazy cousins and the nice cousins and the brothers and the sisters, you know, and it's it's the same thing, you know. I mean, you have guys that like ballast songs. You got guys that like high-end custom knives. You got guys that, that are into the engraving. You got guys that and and their taste runs, you know, a certain way, and uh, and they don't think that they're part of the rest of it. Oh yeah, but don't, don't, yeah, they, they are though. <laughs> We're they all are, knife though. nuts. Yeah, exactly. We're all knife yeah. nuts. We all like the same thing. And, and the funny part is, the same guys like nice watches. The same guys like nice. You know, they tend to like nice cigars. They tend to like nice things. Mm-hmm. And I think that I almost think that that's part of what it is. It's it's more of the you like quality stuff, whether it's. A quality car, whether it's a except you, obviously you don't. Yeah, my oh, there's a hoopty update. <laughs> finish, finish your thought. <laughs> but, but but that's the but it but it's the um, I think that a lot of knife nuts they're they're really could be said that they're quality nuts, and mm-hmm. they they like the the good quality whatever it is if it's cookware or or uh, or watches or jewelry or. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really, gear in general. You know, they like the like the good stuff. Yep, and, and that's a good and, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's kind of cool. Well, even if they don't use it, I don't care. Just buy it. <laughs> it keeps <laughs> the industry going, and it means <laughs> that the prices are less when I go to buy it. You know, because if a company's able to sell uh, two hundred thousand of a really good, high quality backpack versus selling five, <laughs> the price is going to be a lot better. Yep. So yep, I, I want everybody going out and buying whatever they can. Yep. Um, yep, yep. So what's your hoopty empty enter? Hoopty update? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I went to the hoopty doctor on Wednesday, which is, uh, I guess, two days ago, and they said it was, uh, they ran the thing, and I said, well, give me an estimate before you do anything, because it's, you know, it's on its last leg, and it's got 240, let's see, 247,500 miles on it, <laughs> and wow. it's it's not going to, I mean, I'm not going to spend a thousand bucks on a car that's worth 200 you know so they uh they call me yesterday and they say it's the uh the error we're getting back is the camshaft position sensor which means one of two things it's either that the sensor is bad and i'd already replaced it once uh or that um the the crank the timing chain is bad and they said well we can replace the sensor and uh, and see if that fixes the problem. Uh, and if it doesn't, then um, you're going to have to do the the uh, timing chain. And that means it has to go to a Volkswagen dealer. They basically have to tear the entire thing apart, put it back together, and reprogram it. And it's thousands of dollars. And I said, well, if that's the case, then I'm just going to get my shit out of the car, and I'll have to bleep that and uh, and donate it to the the charity for the blind or whatever, <laughs> you know, cause <laughs> it, I'm not going to spend, you know, thousands of bucks on a hoopty. Um, but I'm in the hoopty market and I think I have a pretty good line on, on one. <laughs> on a, re- on a replacement hoopty, huh? Yeah. It's actually the hoopty I'm looking at, you know, very well. And it's actually a, two years older than my current hoopty. <laughs> <laughs> but the way I look at it, if I can get two or three years of use out of it, um, what I pay for it'll be less than a, a a real car payment, you know. Well, you're showing your Dutch descent uh, background. 
Yeah, we're we are usually pretty tight with our money. Yep. But I've, I've got these little T-Rex arms, and they just don't quite reach all the yep. way to my wallet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we used to always say that 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 they they're we have a big Dutch community south of us a little ways, and they're they're pretty tight. They yeah. are they're extremely, you know, and it's not an ethnic thing. It's well, it is <laughs> because it runs in the family. Yeah, <laughs> it's passed down. My my grandpa was the same way, and uh, my dad was for a long time. He may he's still pretty tight with his money, but he's loosened up, and I'm just terrible. Like I'm probably well, the worst. I I gotta tell you. My wife said last night to me when when you sent me that text message and said you had the twenty five dollar hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> she said, you know, I, I don't think he's really a doctor. <laughs> well, and, and I started laughing, and I was like, you know, I said, I I think he gets off on finding a cheap hotel. Well, I was just gonna. There's a national forest right by uh, the grind in there. I was you just could, gonna go out in the woods and hang a hammock. You could sleep on the street out there. Yeah, probably. I, I, I don't like the. I, it, I'd rather go in the woods though, because then you don't have the car noise and stuff. But right. I, I do that. I do that frequently. Like if it's decent weather, and I'm and I have to travel somewhere, I'll just I'll find a state park or a national forest, and, and it'll cost funny. me like seven bucks to throw up a hammock for the night. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So what are we going to talk about today? We, we, we got some well, stuff we got to cover. Yeah, we got we got um, a forum topic that I wanted to get done, and it may it's a big enough topic that it may may be that we can't um, talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of our uh, forum members, NJ Berserker, uh, asks the question. He says, uh, "I am a novice and new to the knife community, and really appreciate the info you provide." If you could touch base on knives that would be good for a beginner getting into bushcraft, um, or no, he says, if possible, could you touch base on knives that would be good for a beginner getting into bushcraft? And so, I mean, that's such a huge topic, and you know, I does, think that's a good topic because we probably have differing opinions. And does Does he want to start a war? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, literally, is that, is that's that a like, trolling? Is that a trolling question? Well, it's good that's enough. Um, yeah, you know I mean, on another on another ahead. forum, that'd be like a 30, 30 page thread. You know what's what's interesting about that? And and uh, I'm a uh, my my email was just ringing. Um, I when it comes to that that kind of that kind of question. I always have several answers. How much do you want to spend? Is or you know several questions that follow that question. How much do you want to spend? How much are you going to actually use it? What are, you know? Are you really going to try to 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 go primitive living camping or whatever you want to call it, bushcrafting? I mean, it's um, and and really separate separate the uh, whether they're going to use it for camping or primitive living or have it as a survival knife right because how I, much cause I, how much woodcrafting are they going to and do? how much yeah how much how much woodcrafting are they going to actually do um and that's that's pretty much what what you have to, once you figure that out once you figure out that they're going to actually go out and 
and and make a uh, a shelter for themselves while they're while they're camping rather than using a tent when they're, when they're actually going to do some stuff with it as opposed to just set it in a drawer. Um, then you can then you can get a little bit more focused about what it what it is that they should be looking for. Yeah. Um, so the the way I think the, the way I would answer it um, the way I'm going to look at the question because I did I did. Um, post a follow-up question to him in the thread and I never got an answer back basically asking the exact same things you just did mm -hmm. the way the way I'm going to look at it is um, he's he's going to go out and he's going to you know try to make uh, you know the Burtonsville rig that we did mm -hmm. you know do do some stuff with the knife I I think it'd probably be ambitious to try to make a shelter um, straight out of the box with a knife but but the way I'm going to look at it is he's going to have some like wood wood uh carving projects uh he's going to maybe make a morris kahansky style tri stick mm -hmm. you know d basically trying to develop wood skills so that he's better with his knife and can make usable um camp related stuff with it yeah yeah because then, really the, the reality of it is i think that's what that's about is to make your to make your stay in the woods more comfortable right uh, yeah that's, just, just, and that's the way i've always looked at this bushcraft movement is is it's not a survival thing it is a i'm going to make my stay in the woods more comfortable mm -hmm. because if you look at what the what the uh the typical bushcrafters are are showing off as their skill set very few of them are related to actually you know i'm gonna die if i don't make this yeah that yeah it's not you know i mean I, yeah. I, the shelter and the fire that's a different story i don't want to i don't want a bunch of you know bad emails because I said that but <laughs> but you know you take out the fire skill which is a survival skill and you take out the finding shelter skill um and and what else do you have in bushcrafting you right. have you're making chairs you're making things to make cooking easier you're making you know you're, some, you're basically some making some things yeah and, you're making yeah. your you're making your stay in the woods more comfortable and and maybe you're killing time I mean, maybe you're in a survival situation. You're stuck on an island in in northern Lake Michigan, and it's going to be three days before somebody finds you. Right. And and you're bored. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you want to do so you want to do something with yourself that make your stay in the woods a little more comfortable, and it'll kill time. And you know. Yeah. Well, and then the the other thing I would say is that um, the shelter building, the shelters that I've been taught where you use all natural materials, unless you're building like a debris shelter, which having slept in one, that's that's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I would I would try to do anything but build a debris shelter because mm -hmm. you're just not comfortable, and at least I wasn't. Um, but, you know, like the, the real like lean-to shelters... Um, you know those those that are or the the thermal mass shelters where you use big logs right and you you build the wall in front of you and the wall behind you and those i, I mean i can't see building I'm, I'm sure it's been done and i it will i'll probably again i'll probably get hate mail too um but those i think are probably better done with an axe or with a saw even right. better with a saw i would say right because um, it if you have a if you have a nice little saw blade you can make a saw frame right you know you can make a buck saw with your knife and then you've got a if you if you just carry a saw blade like in your belt or something you know just just around your waist a 36 inch 
or if you're a big guy, you know, even bigger. Um, <laughs> I'm calling time out for a second. Okay, well, I'm gonna. Okay. I think I'm gonna leave that in. No, <laughs> anyway. no, you're not. <laughs> okay, so, well, what I was what I was saying was, uh, you know, if you if you have a saw blade, um, you can make a buck saw, yep. and that is so much easier for me to process wood with than a knife and even an axe, like. Yeah, but can, you're not good with it. You're not good with an axe like I am. No, yeah, you're you're like freaking Paul Bunyan over here. But for for me, it's it's easier for me to saw through a log with a buck saw um, than it is for me to mess with an axe. I, mm-hmm. It just it's just a lot. But of see, you know, you know, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at who who the the grand poobahs of the of of bushcrafting kind of are, you know, you talk you, you talk about uh, what is it, George Sears? It was it was wasn't it George? George Sears is Nussmuck, the writer. Yeah. Nussmuck. Anyway, he he always he he used a piece of oil canvas mm. a, as a shelter all the time. That was what he yeah, a three sided piece of oil canvas, and he built a frame out of wood. Old old school version of a tarp, basically. Yeah, exactly. What it is. Yeah. Exactly, and so you know that's why he never had to carry much of anything. He used a little hatchet and a and a and a small knife, and that was his. And two small knives actually, and that was his. That was his deal. Was he carried a uh, a piece of oil cloth? Yeah. That he that he made a shelter out of, which you know that makes a lot of sense. Well, I was, uh, you know, that other podcast I told you about the hardcore history. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an episode in there where he's describing uh, one of the Cuban revolutions where they had like Cuban rebels that yeah were, yeah 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 it was like I'm well, actually did, listening to that one right now yeah well did you pick up on where he said that uh, it was in the early 1900s they had these rebels that would just go and raise all kinds of hell did you did you did you pick up on how they got around and what they were using for shelter oil cloth yeah hammock yeah yeah yep. you know and that's 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 like my entire I when I heard that I'm like oh my god that's like that's my entire system. Like mm-hmm. that's how I I can go two or three weeks with a a little you know patrol pack on mm-hmm. just because I have a I have a sill nylon tarp and a hammock. So getting getting back to uh, more knife specific stuff, um, what what criteria would you look for in a knife to be used as described? I personally, I would find myself a full tang knife. Mm-hmm. It seems like you had a whole article about this. Mm-hmm. I would find myself a knife that's got about a, f- a four inch or smaller blade. Mm-hmm. I would find myself a knife that is um, thick but not too thick, like uh, bigger than an eighth of an inch, smaller than a quarter inch. Yep, that yep. range. Yep, yep. I would say I would say if it's a quarter inch, it's way too thick. And there's some quarter inch knives on the market that are described as bushcraft knives. And I would mm-hmm. say that they're too thick. Okay. Just my opinion. I, I don't see the I don't see the advantage of having a quarter inch bar of steel on a four inch blade knife. Mm-hmm. I just don't. You know, I think it gets in the way of the cutting geometry and everything else. Um, I think it should have com- some kind of comfortable scale, some kind mm-hmm. of com- comfortable handle material, and um, and a proper method of carrying it. Obviously, it's got to be sharp. And uh, personally, I would like to have it be flat ground or or uh, convexed. Um, mm-hmm. I like a I like a 
you know, if it's if you're looking at looks too, I like a I like a flat ground blade with a convex edge. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not against um, the zero Scandi grinds. But I just don't, you know, especially for a beginner, I think there's a, I think you can bung up those pretty easy. Um, I'd like to see somebody with a with a, a flat ground with a convex edge or even a full convex grind, just because I think that that when you have a Scandi ground blade, your edges are very fragile. And if mm-hmm. you are just learning some of these techniques, you could, you know, you can pry and you can, I mean, I had this conversation uh, a while ago about at one of these camp outs where we had some guys that were, were limbing little bamboo things mm-hmm. and uh, they had some, some fairly thin edged knives and through no fault of their own or through the, of the maker, it was an operator malfunction. This is, these are guys who are supposed to know what they're doing and they're, they were cutting uh, cutting branches off of these little, and there's not big branches, small branches, you know, maybe maybe half inch branches. And they broke two knives. They chipped out two knives, big half moon chips out of them. Hmm. And and you know there was a talk about it being the maker's fault. He edge hardened it, you know, it was too brittle, and yada yada yada. And he ground it too, I cooled it too, quenched it too much. And you know when he was grinding it, he heated it up and made it brittle. And I was thinking about all the knives that I've used in my lifetime and how many times I have cleaned off sticks, whether they're for marshmallow sticks or for making cooking sticks or making shelter, uh, uh, you know, structure. And I I don't remember ever chipping a knife like that. In fact, I I think I said it at the time. I've never broken a knife like that that I can recall. Hmm. And... I was having another conversation with a pretty good knife maker a while later about it. And he said, you know, he said, you probably have never done that because you don't limb the same way they were limbing. They were doing short snap cuts Hmm. as opposed to, I I rarely do snap cuts. I usually will take out and and glide the knife completely through and, and, basically a long i don't i guess you call it a long push cut mm-hmm. you know maybe bushcrafters will tell me that I, I don't know what i'm doing that's that's fine um but what he was saying was guys that are doing snap cuts what happens is the minute the edge hits the hits the material because you're holding the blade in such a way you don't have a firm grip on it cuz you're snapping it between a couple fingers the blade will actually turn sideways a little bit right at the time of impact and will break out those edges. Hmm. And you can break out a pretty substantial edge by doing that. Hmm. And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah. He said, and you know what? He said, it's, he said, almost everybody's knife will do that. He said, if it's not, if it's, if you don't use a proper technique, you can actually break the edge of a knife off of just about any knife. And, and I said, well, how come I've never done that? And he said, probably because you don't do snap cuts. And he was right. I don't do snap cuts. Uh, if I if I do a snap cut, it's like my whole wrist is involved in the snap cut, not not the, the knife flicking around in my, between a couple, three fingers. Mm-hmm. So um, I would suggest a little healthier edge on it, a knife for a beginner, you know, instead of a, instead of a Scandi grind, um, I would say a little... Except for the fact that you can get a less expensive knife with a Scandi grind on it, hmm. so I mean that might be a that might be a thing you might want to do too. But 
enough of my commentary what about, for right now. What about Steel Choice? Anything um, in particular? You know, I, I personally, I I like to be able to sharpen my knives, and with uh, with if you're gonna if you're buying a knife to use. Um, and you do not have a method of sharpening it, and you know, like some, if you if you if you're picking up something that's S30V, and you don't have something that's you plug into the wall to sharpen it, hmm. um, you're going to be quite disappointed when you're standing there on a stone trying to uh, bring the edge back to, you know, somewhat of a factory type of edge because it's it's a daunting task. To try to sharpen a um, S30V blade w- on a stone. Yeah. I mean, it just. I mean, th- yes, sir, you can do it, but boy, I tell you what, you're working. Well, and then and then a beginner to the the thing is is like, what kind of quality of stone are they going to have, if anything? Exactly. You exactly. Know, and they're and not so, going to be having like diamond hones and things like that. Yep. Yep. And and but even a diamond hone is still, it's not easy to sharpen an S30V blade. Yeah, it's just not yeah. easy to do. And I, I personally, I I would like to have something a little bit softer, a little bit easier to sharpen. Um, high carbon steel, I'm not afraid of it. You know, mm-hmm. keep it clean, keep it. You know, and and if you're if if you use it, and you once you get a nice patina on your blade, uh, I I see no. I see no reason not to use a, a, a high carbon blade. Mm-hmm. Have had a lot of good luck with high high carbon blades. Yep. You know, well, that I think those are that's pretty pretty standard reasonable recommendations. Um, my my thing would be, uh, you know, if if it's truly a beginner and they're they're getting a knife that they don't want to break. Um, I, too, would recommend a full-tang knife um, just because one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to see a video on batoning, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not necessarily going to know exactly how to do it without breaking a rat tail handle, yep. um, and I've, I've seen people do that before. Um, I, think, I think you can definitely get away with a rat tail handle if you're very careful. In fact, you can, you can baton with a folder as long as you don't lock it open. You know, and as long as Correct. you do it extremely carefully, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend it, but um, as a as a beginner, I think I'd probably go with a full tang knife. Um, blade length, I uh, for the woodcraft type stuff and uh, general all around bushcraft, uh, you know, right around four inches or less. Uh, I would go definitely um, with a high carbon steel. Uh, for a bunch of different reasons, um, like you said, the ease of sharpening. Uh, you know, you can sharpen it on a on a stone and and uh, things like that. Uh, and you can use it as a um, if you're a beginner, you're going to be all fascinated with like flint and steel fires and all those sorts of things. You can use it as a fire steel uh, or as as the steel if you can go out and find some uh, flint or quartzite or other rock that chips real easy so you can actually use your knife for that um let's see what else you know one uh, of the things real that... comfortable you need a comfortable handle if yep. you're if you're going to use the knife the flat um the flat micarta scab or uh, slab handles just are not 
for prolonged and heavy knife use, I think you need a, a very comfortable handle on that knife. You know what else, too, and, and, and this is never hardly ever addressed. The knife does not have to be called a bushcraft knife. No, not at all. And 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 so don't get sucked in by that. There are there there were this style of knives long before the title bushcraft was applied to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm holding my hand a uh, a copy of a Loveless Droppoint Hunter that would make an extremely good bushcraft knife. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if you can see that or not. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it, you know, any any kind of a drop point hunter with that you can maintain well. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of knives out there that that will 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 serve that function very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't don't get don't get caught up in the fact that it's not a quote unquote bushcraft knife. Right. Yeah. That's kind. Of, it's kind of a marketing thing. Right. Um, but as far as the edge, um, I'd say. Probably at least 90% of the knives that I use in the woods are just a regular um, flat ground knife uh, with a, that I put my own convex edge on it. Mm-hmm. You know, after, after the factory edge wears off and it's time to resharpen it, um, you know, I'm not an expert sharpener. So even if I use a perfectly flat stone, the edge is going to be convex, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yep. So it's, it, well, so, and that, but Kyle, that's the way it always was. That's the way yeah. it's always been. Um, if you think back about your grandmother's kitchen knives and your grandmother's sharpening stone that she had in her kitchen, I still have both of those items. And, and tell me that there's not a big, like almost a a, a big, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, a big convex. Yeah. Out of it, a big concave out of it. Yeah. Where where she worked worked your knife back and forth and ended up. I mean, all of their kitchen knives were convex edged. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the, I have one of her kitchen knives, and I have her sharpening stone, and it's exactly as you describe. And I think, um, you know, it, it's real, real hard to get a real super consistent, perfect um, secondary bevel on a knife. Right. You know, and I think, I well, think without that, a without a Lansky tool, it's virtually impossible. Right, and so I think, I think this whole idea. Um, you know, of these perfect um, flat bevels. Event, it may come out of the factory that way, but the first time you sharpen it, unless you're really, unless you're fantastic at sharpening knives, and those people exist, but I'm not one of them, you're going to have a convex edge anyway. Um, what you got there? This is an old knife that's called was called an OSF knife, with which was a bunch of guys from the old outdoor survival forum. From knife, whoop, almost dropped it into my iPad. Uh, the guys from the Outdoor Survival Forum built it, mm-hmm. and it was a tapered tang. It was a forged knife, but it had all of the criteria that your article has in it. I wanted to show you this when you were up here, and next week at the grind, and I'll I'll bring it up with me so you can see it. Okay. You you're, you'll go crazy. This is this is probably one of the best quote unquote bushcraft knives that you can get. Yeah. Did you, I mean, did you, that actually looks a lot like that one that I brought up to your place. Yep. I mean, it's almost identical yep. to what I designed for myself. Yep. Um, very, very comfortable knife. Very, you can use this all day long and never, never be tired. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's basically what I designed for myself. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's exactly the knife with the exact blade shape that I came up with, exact mm-hmm. length, exact handle. Mm-hmm. I mean, so whoever designed that was that was actually a lot like that was, was actually thinking. kind of designed by a committee, believe it or not. Well, they were smart. Yeah, it was a it was a group of guys that were on the original outdoor survival forum on knife forums, and yeah, those, it was back those, probably 1999. It was those, designed. Yeah, those guys knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so basically, we've kind of described the the characteristics that we'd look for, uh, and it's all pretty standard stuff. It doesn't have to be any any kind of a fancy knife. Um, I would say. Um, from my experience, the woodcrafting stuff um, after you after you get good at it and after you develop some some finesse, uh, a Scandi grind is in my hands easier for me to carve wood with and do the wood carving projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then you, you know when you when you have the Scandi grind, it's the first time you sharpen it, at least the first time I sharpen it, it turns into a Scandi grind with a convex bevel on it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but uh, but I I would say that that edge geometry for me um, is a little bit easier to to do the wood carving tasks with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is interesting because it depends on exactly I think what you're what you're trying to do. I mean, I think when you're when you're talking about making like traps. And you have to have, you know, complex triggers where things have to be absolutely square. Then sometimes those edges, I think, make a little more sense. Uh, you can you can still get everything done um, with the regular flat ground with a convex edge. Um, the knife that I used pretty extensively, which was another um, forum topic recently, we don't have to get into it. But a knife a knife that I previously used extensively was a flat ground that I put a um, convex grind on and I, mm-hmm. I've carved every kind of project I've ever you could ever imagine with that stupid thing mm-hmm. reason I reason I dumped it is because the handle was uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things that was one it was one of my friend's knives and I liked the friend a lot <laughs> and uh, so I used his knife <laughs> one of those things but um, uh, I eventually um, kind of decided that uh, I liked my hand to be comfortable more than I, <laughs> you know. You set it to. aside and you say, "Well, I just I didn't want to hurt that knife. I well, liked yeah, it so I much. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk and, losing it." And that's exactly <laughs> so, what happened. So that's I put it in exactly my drawer, and there's where it stays. So it'll be yep. perfectly safe and sound. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. But um, anyway, so. Uh, but, but just, just, uh, you know, keep in mind that these are just our recommendations and they're, they're based on, for me, the experience of using a, a knife that meets most of those criteria, but, but didn't have necessarily the most comfortable handle. Um, but it was a friend made it, uh, and then, uh, kind of gradually kind of coming around to a much more ergonomically shaped handle. And then uh, I've I've kind of grown as I get more experience. I've kind of grown more um, appreciative of a Scandi grind. But like you said, the the problems I've seen with Scandi grinds is the the edge will roll. 
you know, you'll you'll have a nice you'll have your nice perfect Scandi grind, and then in the middle where you were you were putting a lot of lateral pressure on it, mm-hmm. the edge will roll, and then you'll you'll have to clean that up and stuff. Not a huge deal, but um, that's w- when you were talking about like an area where there's edge weakness and you can damage the edge. That's the most common thing that I've seen happen. So, right, and that's and that's actually a lot. That happens a lot more than people want to admit. I mean that to me that's the that's the main weakness of that knife is the edge, um, and if you don't coddle it, you you could be in trouble. Well, and and here's another here's another um, point that I've um, tried to get across to people uh, with regards to knives and knife use, and it's gonna it's gonna be especially true in in the hands of a beginner. Um, and I, I have to approach this from my experience. This may be completely different from somebody, from the way somebody else does things. But if I'm outside and I'm using a knife, uh, the chances are that I just spent uh, eight to ten hours uh, trekking through um, woods or jungle or swamp or whatever, and I'm carrying a pack and it's hot and I'm beat up and I'm tired and I'm hungry. And uh, I'm I'm not necessarily going to be super finesse. I'm not going to be Mr. Finesse when it comes to using a knife because you're tired. You're going to make mistakes. You're 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 going to do stupid stuff. And and the last thing you're going to be thinking about is um, you know trying to use perfect master ninja technique to avoid damaging your knife. Um, the, just just my experience. The the first few knives you get probably should be a little bit overbuilt. Um, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable uh, with an eighth inch diameter knife. I kind of like that that um, diameter because it lets me do things, um, you know, like the wood carving tasks. I, I can still um, do the heavy uh, duty, you know, like batoning and all, all the other things, although I, I hardly ever find a need to baton something. But you can do it with with that diameter provided you've got good steel and then um, it's thin enough that you can do things like um, and if you've got the right edge on it um, you can do things like real delicate things like peeling an apple or uh, cleaning a fish and things like that whereas if you've got this big honking um, quarter inch blade you can sure you can sure do all of that it's just a little bit harder with the thicker thicker blade Um, probably the thickest that that I'm comfortable using uh, for just kind of an all-around bushcraft and woods knife would be about three sixteenths would be about as thick as I'm comfortable with. But mm-hmm. um, again, that's that's in my hands uh, and at, at my experience level. Well, it's it's kind of funny. Have you seen the new? Um, it's not really new. It's about a couple years old now. Condor came out with a knife. A, a they call it a bushcraft type knife. I've got it. It's it's like a it's like a copy of a, a Kephart almost. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I held, I mean that's a quarter, that's I think that's a full quarter of an inch, and it maybe thicker. Hmm. Um, the first thing I thought was, wow, it's really nice of them to make a blade that's so thick that you can take it and make it to anything you want it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, some of, some of those are kind of sold as knife kits. Yeah, <laughs> is, is yeah, because that, because that knife that is. I mean, and, but you know what? It's inexpensive. I don't. God, I want to say it was like thirty yeah. bucks. Let me. You guys are going to hear some clicking in this episode because we're about to have to start looking up. Uh, I, I think each that, that one is. I don't know. Mine's not right here, but. But but they were like thirty bucks. I mean they're not yeah, very expensive yeah, I, at all. I, I bought the thirty dollar one. Um, <laughs> bush, bush tool condor. Is it the bush? Yeah. Condor knife, bushcraft basic camp knife. Yeah, I think, I think that's the it. one. Um, bush lore. The, the bush lore is the one that I've got. Yeah. And that's I, guess, um, I think that's the one I have. It's blade, how thick is it? Well, the blade blade thickness on that is one eighth inch. Oh, um, so you must you must have a different one. And the other thing about the bush lore is that the the belly isn't straight across. It's kind of got a bump in it. Um, let, let's see the condor bushcraft is. Uh, so that's a five inch. Man, that thing is beastly. Well, that's that one. The one I'm seeing is uh, eighth inch, but it's got a huge blade on it, and that's only thirty bucks. So. Anyway, um, no, that one that I was it was not. It was definitely thicker than that. Yeah, maybe it's and maybe there's maybe the ones I'm looking at. Well, here's one models. that's here's one that's five thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. That's the Bushler five thirty seconds. Okay. But see, and it could have been that I got one of the first ones that they made and they thinned them up to a little bit. Yeah, but after they got feedback from people. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, let's maybe we should. Uh, Talk about some some knives that you you might buy somebody in his category in the relatively inexpensive range. Things that you think would be a well, good good starter. I mean, you're talking about uh, you can go down to um, your army surplus store and pick yourself up some of those those little Sweden Swedish knives, EKA knives. Okay. Um, fifteen bucks, you know, with a plastic sheath and a plastic handle, and you know, oh, you mean a like a stick, Mora? Yeah, yeah, a little stick tang. Yeah, but again, um, the. I mean, you, if you want to start at the if you want to start at the low end where you're not a, and and you can buy three of them and not. Yeah, and then if you break it, you don't. Yeah, care. you're not going to worry okay, about it. Okay, so a Mora. Yeah, um, I think uh, if I was to recommend a knife that somebody was going to keep for a long time, I think I would look at. Uh, uh, one of the blind horse knives. Um, yeah, I would look at. Uh, so would look at now Mike's, we're now Mike's you're out of the after. now you're out of the you're out of the inexpensive range though. Well, there is a, well the Condor. What what other what other under hundred dollar bushcraft knife is there? Well, there's got to be more. Um, let me look. I, <laughs> I think you're gonna be surprised. Well, you know you've got the you've got the Moras, um, Boker. You got the Condors. Those are you know anywhere from fifty to thirty dollars. Boker thirty dollars. Boker has a Bushcraft that's uh, fifty two dollars. I don't have any experience with that knife. I don't um, either. But uh, Boker makes one. Uh, Mora has a bunch of them, but they're not. Again, they're not full tang. Actually, um, you know, Cold Steel makes one too. Yeah, I mean, all the, all the, a lot of companies will make one. I think what I would say is if you're in that price range, um, make sure you handle them and make sure that, um, that, that the, the handle is comfortable for you and, um, go from there. If, if you're not too concerned about the full tang issue, 
I'd, I'd say get a get a uh, buy three cheap Moras because if you break it, you don't care. Yeah. Um, but and those are all high carbon and, steel And you'd be surprised and, if you're if you're not if you don't go crazy on it, mm-hmm. you can do a, you can you can use one of those for a long time and not screw them up. Uh-huh. You know, if you're going to use them in 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 concert with a with a small axe, yep. Then you're then you're pretty golden. Yeah. Well, and and um, you know, uh, Morris Kahansky, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got that uh, Skookum Bush tool that I you and I both drool over. But like, oh, and most the one of that. Mo- oh, wait a minute. You mean the one that I have on order? Yeah, <laughs> that okay. I don't. Okay, I, I just don't thought I'd just get that in there. The one that I'm waiting for three years for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, okay. the one that I don't even have a, a prospect of getting. <laughs> yeah, like, but like if you get one a year after I get mine. Yeah, well, if if I get one at all, I'll, I, I could. I suppose I could try to trade for one someday. I had. I don't, well, I've never even seen one up for trade. You know, and and yeah. my buddy Chance, he gave one away. I was like, oh, I'd like to just choke you. I think didn't didn't um I think Jonathan Eldred's may have had one too and he sold it or something well i know it was funny because um i was i was really so i don't remember what the reason why he gave it but he gave it to um oh what's the other survivor what's a i can't think of his name i think he started the 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 get together that was called dirt time i don't know the guy Uh, anyways he gave it to him and uh and it was, he said, he said, I don't even know why I gave it to him. And he said, it's not that I didn't like the knife. He said, he just looked like he liked it more. <laughs> yes, I do that too. And then sometimes, um, you know, it comes back to you eventually. But so if I, so our recommendation for the under $100 knives is look at, look at the condors, um, see if you like them, understand that you may have to do a little work on them um, to, to get them to where you like them. Look at the Moros. Um, and just look at it as if you break it or if you have a problem with it, you can get another one real cheap. Uh, I, I don't have any personal experience with it, but the other the other knife that's coming up that's under $100 that's a quote-unquote bushcraft marketed knife is the Boker bushcraft. And then there are all kinds of... Can you think of other full-tang knives um, that are under 100 bucks that basically... It doesn't have to have a Scandi grind on it. But. I don't... I. Well, yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, so so beyond there's a that, lot of a, uh, well, now you step out of that realm. There's a lot of uh, under hundred dollar knives that are full tang. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's cold, kind of like I said, Cold Steel makes a bunch of them on yeah. SRK. You know, there's a lot of, and that goes into those knives that that you can use to do those skills that uh, that are not right. You know and, the Becker, the SA. I mean, they all make them under a hundred bucks. Well, and here's here's my um, one of my personal knives uh, that I use a lot, and I use for these kinds of wood pro- uh, projects. Um, is a uh, and it's a, you can get them for you know under eighty dollars. Is a BK sixteen mm-hmm. um, drop drop point uh, fixed blade. It's four and three eighths inches. The blade is a little long, um, but it it's a good all-around knife. It's got a comfortable handle, and uh, you know it, I think that's a good uh, under $100 starting point um, if you want a brand. Otherwise, just look for just look for something that meets the criteria. Now, let's step up um, one you know in the, the next category, like uh, production knives uh, that are um, 
that that would be good for that. You know, you up, know, up to a, up to up to three hundred bucks, say production knives. Oh, I see. You can go down the list. Um, Spiderco well, makes one. Well, Benchmade yeah. makes one. Well, ones um, that you ones that you have experience with. Oh, to recommend. Well, I played with the, I played with the Spiderco one. The the um, Bark River Bushcrafter. Right. Um, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's a, there's a series of knives that, that Bark River came out with a while ago, and they didn't call them Bushcrafters, but one was called North Star. Okay. And then they made a, they made a, uh, another one called Littenbrow, which would be Little Brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those would make excellent Bushcraft knives. I don't know if you can get them under, they're probably, they're under 300 bucks, I'm sure. Probably 250, probably... On the street, you could probably get them for 180 or 190. I, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, um, excellent, excellent knives. Uh, let's see what else. If you, if you, I mean, there's all kinds of custom knives that you can buy that are in the $200 range. Blind Horse Knives does a, they do a bunch of really nice looking bushcraft style knives, but they may not be called bushcraft knives. Right. Um, so you know knives that meet that criteria, but they yeah. don't they don't carry the title. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which, I here's 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 my my take in that category. The knives that I have experience with that I like, um, I like the Bark River Bushcrafter. Now that's got um, it's got a a Scandi grind, but it's convexed out at the edge, and um, so that has its own. Um, purpose and I think you're you're about to have an article on that. Um, I have uh, experience with the Spiderco Bushcrafter and I love that knife. Uh, it's very 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 good. Uh, the Blind Horse Knives Bushcrafter is fantastic. Um, let's see, uh, Fall Niven. Do you do you have a have, do you oh. have favorite fall knife that you like yeah the ones that start with f yeah all of them so (laughs) (laughs) i like i like an f1 i've always liked an f1 those are beautiful knives you know and i don't i have one that's got my car to handles on and my car scales on it Uh and i don't think i've ever used that one but i've used the other one and it's not that i don't i i just haven't taken it out of the i mean i've got it i've never just never used it yeah um because i i i carry a regular F1 quite often, and yeah. what I what I do is I take their. Um, he he has a loop sheath that you know a, a yeah. dangler sheath. Yeah. And one of the things that I've done was I've gotten a, a keeper for my gun belt. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you a, a keeper is just a piece of leather that's got two snaps on it, uh-huh. and, and it folds on itself, and it's it attaches your gun belt to your regular pants belt. Yep. So that you know it, it doesn't sag. Uh-huh. Well. What I did, what I figured out was that if you take that, you don't want to carry it as a dangler. You can take that and fold it down and put that keeper around there, and you have a really nice uh, regular sheath, regular mm-hmm. belt sheath. So um, I figured that out quite a while ago, and I actually have it. I mean, it's I don't know where it is right now, but uh, I actually have it in that configuration because I wear it that way most of the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's actually one of my go-to knives. I, I usually, I usually will, you'll be seeing me with that on quite often yeah. uh, in the woods. And um, I, I, uh, I don't currently own one, but I've used them a lot 
Um, I would say the the handle on the F1 is maybe a little bit flat for me. Uh-huh. Um, is the only thing I would say. Um, that being said, I think um, Fall Niven will sell you just the bare blade. You know what? If you want one of those, you need to buy them fast. Oh, really? Because they are. Uh, I just heard that the other day that they're 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 going to stop that. Um, huh. Only well, be- because it's they, they they bought ten bazillion of them and they're and they're running down on the numbers and they don't think they're going to do that again because it's gotten to be so expensive to to have that that blank that you mount your own handle scales on it. Yeah, which to me that doesn't make sense. It should be that should be easy to do. Well, you I think you're not making I think a that, handle. I think they're addressing. Uh, they have some issues with the. Kroner to yen to dollar ratio. Okay. And by the time you get it here, you know, you can get a, like, for example, you use a Thor knife. And and back, you know, 15 years ago, when the NL1 came out, that knife was somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, like 2, 230, 240, 250, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, maybe as high as 300. Hmm. Now it's like a six hundred dollar knife. Jeez, I, because of that, because of the the price, you know, the way they get beat up. Because they're made in they're made in Japan, and uh, one of the things I was talking to a to a uh, dealer the other day about that, and he said that um, there was some there's starting to be some people starting to poo poo that because they always thought that they were made in Sweden, hmm. and um, they've never been made in Sweden. Hmm. Uh, early in the company, Peter had the had the knives made in Germany, and the Germans knocked him off. And he said, "Well, to hell with that. I'm not I'm not going to have my product sold right next to my product from you know coming yeah. out of the same factory." And I'm not getting. I mean, it's it was ridiculous. Yeah. So he took all of his production and went to Japan. And ever since then, those knives have been made in Japan out of you know, laminated VG10. Hmm. Uh, and so when people, you know, somehow or another, I don't remember how it got, why they started putting Made in Japan on the box, but they but they started doing that. Hmm. And uh, and now there's some, there's a little bit of blowback going on with people that are not, you know, they think that, they think of Japanese knives the same way we think about Chinese knives or, or, uh, or Chinese or uh, Taiwanese knives. Hmm. You know, it's getting close to six o'clock. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to cut the cut you loose okay. here in a little bit. But um, so but that's uh, that's basically some recommendations. Uh, I I kind of approach this as uh, I want them to be able to go into a store and buy it. There are so many custom knife makers and there's so many fancy things. It, it's just you know maybe he doesn't have access to. Um, to be able to see those knives and be able to hold them and make sure they work for them. So I'm just suggesting some production models um, that I have personal experience with. I, obviously, it's not a comprehensive list, and I, you know, if I didn't mention your knife, I'm sorry. I, I just don't have any. Those are the ones that I have a lot of experience with that I I think would work and that he could go into a store and play with. Anything else to add? Mm, I don't think so. Don't be don't be afraid to spend a few dollars. Yeah, know, on a, on quality, you know that's yeah. 
You know, if you if you want to go cheap, go to a, go to Amora. You know, EK. Yeah, to just see if you like it or not, just to yep. see if how how long you're gonna kind of be at it. Um, if if you don't mind spending a couple hundred bucks, pretty much any of those knives we talked about, um, I think you'd and, be fine with. And and don't think that you can only use it for bushcraft. Oh because, yeah, yeah. Because I know that Bark River bushcrafter would make a phenomenal. Uh, deer hunting knife yeah this is i'm probably gonna clean at least one deer with mine this year yeah yeah so um yeah and uh you know that and that's the other thing when i look for a knife um a quote unquote bushcrafting knife one of the things i'm evaluating it for is how well am i going to be able to use it for the other camp tasks like food prep um cleaning fish uh cleaning game you know just stuff like that um, if if you want just a, a specific wood type knife, then you know for woodcrafting you might look at it a little little different than I do. Um, that's that's probably enough, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking. So that's <laughs> enough for this week, and uh, remember to sign up for our giveaway. Oh yeah, at, that uh, we Victoria got going on. Uh, and Pro uh, Hunter. Yep, yep. Nobody's and then, nobody's signed up for that yet, have they? I. I haven't even known. I've been so busy trying to get the next issue out that I haven't had a chance to look. Huh. Well, I I haven't gotten any emails or anything, so, you know, somebody's just going to walk away with it. <laughs> you know, if you guys want it, it's free. You know, just just let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll I'm hoping to have, like, 20, 25 people to choose at random from, because then mm-hmm. it's, you know, if, if just one or two guys sign up, then maybe it looks like we're being... <laughs> If using favoritism or something, but, but <laughs> not, <laughs> not that I'm above chance that. Of winning, but. <laughs> yeah, not, not that I'm above that. No. <laughs> but uh, no. no, um yeah, so uh thanks for listening and uh we'll we'll try to get another one out real soon. Yep. And, yep, we sure uh, will. And it'll be probably a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh and keep those topic ideas coming. Um there's, I mean, we've got so much we could talk about, but it's more fun to cover the stuff you want to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I concur. All right. Any parting words? Now, just finish with the same old, keep your friends, keep your knives sharp, keep your friends sharper. That works for me, and we'll see you next time. Yep. Have fun. Yep. Bye.